Psalm chapter 4. You can find it on page 845 of your pew Bibles. Psalm chapter 4. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek lies? Selah. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Thus ends our reading of God's sufficient word. May all who hear it search their hearts and be silent. Being a missionary will stretch a person in many different directions. It was about seven or eight years ago when God began to tear down an idol that I had built up in my life. We had been in Thailand for a few years now, and, and by this time, my, my theology had been challenged and refined. The funny thing about theology is that it is what drives our Christian practice. And so I questioned myself, why was I on the mission field? Why did I drag my family out to this country that was on the other side of the world? Was I doing this because I truly loved God? Did I really have a heart for the Thai people? Or was I there because somewhere in the, in the back of my mind, I had this notion that I, I needed to please God with my own efforts? When I took an honest look at my heart, I had to confess that part of it was the latter. You see, I had been living from a works-based frame of mind. Though I knew the gospel, that, that God's favor does not come about by what I do. Rather, it comes through his son, Jesus, and what he did for me. Even though I, I knew this, I still believed that I was earning God's favor by my good deeds. And so I had created this false God that I bowed down to. This false God called the missionary life. And it was an idol that God desired to tear down. In our psalm today, we see a similar challenge to the people of Israel. God was calling them to search their own hearts. The nation of Israel was in a time of distress, and the people were looking for someone to blame, 
all the while they should have been, what they should have been doing was looking within. Now it's tough to know the specifics of exactly what was happening in Israel at the time when David wrote this song. For the, for the text only gives vague references. It, it's possible that there was a famine or, or maybe some type of drought or perhaps locusts had plagued their crops. Whatever the case, the people were not pleased and had begun voicing their concerns against David and slandering his kingship. It is in such a setting that David composed this psalm. Now the structure of Psalm 4 is, is pretty straightforward. In verse 1 we see David praying for personal relief from his distress. In verses 2 through 5, David confronts his opponents, calling on them to repent and trust in the Lord. Then in verse 6, David prays once again, this time for his people, that they will see God clearly. And then finally, in verses 7 and 8, we see what an expression of trust in the Lord looks like. Let's look at verse 1 and see David's first petition. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. David begins this psalm in a bold manner. In his prayer, he gives four imperatives to the Lord. Answer me. Give me. Be merciful to me. Hear my prayer. This is a desperate plea to God in a time of trouble. You see, David, he was no different than any other human. The words of others affected him. Nobody likes to be slandered or lied about. And, and this grumbling of the people had, had finally gotten to David. So he sought the Lord in prayer and brought his worries to God. I mean, just, just listen to the, to the first petition that David uh, brings forth. Answer me when I call to you. This reflects David's confidence in his God that God would hear his prayer. David knew that the Lord is righteous and that, that, that God detests an evil and deceitful tongue. I mean, after all, it is one of his Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 16 states, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So David is a, appealing to God's justice. He desired relief from his opponents. Yet he knew that such relief could only come from his Lord. Therefore, he sought the ear and the mercy of God. Verse 2. How long, O oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek lies? Selah. David now speaks out against his naysayers. These, these people, these people who were not happy with the direction that the king's leadership was heading, 
It was through their words that they despoiled the name of God's anointed one. The the glory that was placed upon the throne of Israel through God's anointing, these men now claim to be the shame of their nation. Therefore, they have proclaimed falsehoods in order to turn the hearts of the people away from God's king. So David asks them, how long will you love delusions and seek lies? Now you may have noticed when I was reading through this the first time that I have gone with the alternate translation of the NIV for this verse. If you look in your pew Bibles, you will see that the the last half of verse 2 reads as, how long will you love delusions and seek false gods? And then if you follow footnote D to the bottom, it says, or seek lies. The Hebrew word here is kazab, which literally means a lie or a falsehood. But there are times in scripture where kazab could also be inferred to as an idol or a false god. This is the case because idolatry is a great deception that the Lord is most concerned about. So depending on the context of a passage, a a definition of a false god is permissible. Yet, the typical Hebrew word for idol is pestle. Pestle is the word we find in the Ten Commandments when God forbids the worship of idols. However, the, 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 the context of Psalm 4 does not argue for such a translation. It's not idolatry that that David is concerned about here, but the slandering of his name. If David wanted to rebuke these people for worshiping idols, he would have used the word pestle and not kabaz here. Uh, The the context does not hold for that translation, and that's why I've gone with uh, the, the translation of lies. Anyways, that being said, David... He had called out these men for the lies that they had spread. And he called on them to repent. We see this call of repentance in verses 3 through 5. Know that the Lord has, got, Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. First thing they are to know. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. Just as God was able to point out the the idol that was in my heart after he corrected my theology, so too David must correct the theology of his opponents before he corrects their evil practices. These liars were misguided in their actions because they did not fully realize the act that they were committing. They had thought that they were only slandering a man. But in reality, they were speaking lies about the very one that God had set apart for himself. To speak evil against the one God has chosen is tantamount 
to speaking evil against the Lord himself. Now, what did David mean when he described himself as godly? He was not saying that he was perfect or without sin. No. This is a reference to the fact that God had specifically chosen him to be their ruler. God had put his anointing upon David in order, in order to guide the nation of Israel in all of its dealings. And so, when these opponents of David spread their deceptions and falsehoods, they were essentially rejecting the choice that God had already made. How much greater is the rejection of God's anointed one today? You see, David was only a shadow of the king that was to come. Today, Christ rules over his creation from heaven above. Jesus sits upon his throne. Yet the, the defamation and the falsehoods concerning him continue on to this day. Claims that Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Or that he never performed the miracles that he did. Or that he never rose from the dead. These are the slanderous accusations against our Lord today. And it is usually the elite of the world who make such claims, holding forth their PhDs as if worldly wisdom trumps God's wisdom. David warned the scoffers of his time, and, and in Psalm 4, he warns all scoffers that are to come. David goes on and reminds these men that the, the Lord will listen to David when he prays. We saw some of David's prayers against his enemies last week in Psalm 3. Psalm 3 verse 7 says this, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked, Friends, God listens to the prayers of his chosen people. Any attacks that, that come against Christ or against God's people will ultimately fail. God listens to your prayers. Yet David did not want to see his foes perish. His great desire was for their repentance. And so he says, In your anger, do not sin. In other words, when you disagree with the king's action, when you don't like what the king is doing, get angry if you will, but do not act out. Basically, David is telling his opponents to keep their traps shut. It's one thing to get irritated at the decisions he is making as a king, but it is another thing to act out in anger and sin by spreading lies and vicious rumors. These people needed to keep their wicked thoughts to themselves and submit to the king's commands. 
Therefore, when they were on their beds at night, they, they should ponder over the thoughts of their own hearts. They needed to dig deep within and figure out why they were so upset with God's anointed one. All the while, they were to keep silent. Once they did this, they would soon discover that it was not really the king that they were upset with. Rather, they were angry with God. Often this is the case today as well. People who have hostility towards the world, they're, they're, they're angry at everything. And they're looking for someone to blame. So they'll accuse the government or, or someone else in a position of authority. Yet many times, the person they are most upset with is God. This is why David wants them to search their hearts and be silent. It is in the, in the quiet that true self-reflection comes. When the world is still, when a person can stop and, and look deep within, it's in times like this that they will discover that the true evil is within their own hearts. And we saw this in our first scripture reading today. Listen to what Jesus has to say about the human heart. Look at Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with an unwashed hand does not make him unclean. This is what David is asking of these men. That they inspect their hearts and discover how wicked they truly are. Let me ask you, how often do you get time just to yourself? Occasions where you can, you can unplug you turn off that phone when, when all the distractions are gone and it's just you and God. Moments where you can look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. Times where you can, you can look back on your actions and, and the emotions that you have and see the underlying belief driving those things. If you do this, what you'll often find is that there is an, an idol hidden underneath. An idol that God wants to tear down. Well, David continues on advising these slanderers to demonstrate the inward repentance with outward devotion. They should bring their sacrifice to the Lord and trust in him. Now the sacrifices of the Old Testament were, were the means that God used to demonstrate how holy he is and how 
utterly wicked sin is. As these animals were being slaughtered, they provided vivid illustrations of the pain and suffering that should have been placed upon sinners. You no longer have that image of of bloody animals to remind you of the justice of God. Instead, you look to the cross of Christ. It is at Calvary that you see the, the breaking of the human body. It is in Jesus that you see the spilling of human blood. Your Lord and Savior took upon your punishment. And as a cup of God's wrath was poured out upon him, he did that for you. Our psalmist now directs you to demonstrate your repentance by looking to the forgiveness that God offers to you through his son. Verse 6. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You see, the troubles of this world will either lead people to God or they will drive them away from him. In this time of distress in Israel, the people were were asking where the goodness of God was. But notice that David doesn't pray for rain. He doesn't pray for an abundance in crops or for worldly prosperity. That's not what he wants for his people. No. Instead, he desires that, that they would experience something greater. And he quotes the benediction from Numbers chapter 6. Look at verses 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This is the point of it all, is it not? This whole grand story that you see throughout Scripture is directing you towards one goal. At the end of the book of Revelation, when that heavenly city descends and God's people are dwelling within, and then in chapter 22, verse 3, we read this. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. This is why David can say in verse 7 of our psalm, You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. For even even during times of trial and distress, God's presence is what brought him joy. And his presence is what brings joy to the Christian heart as well. The, The point of it all is to experience Christ. It is from him that true delight comes. Listen, a new harvest is great, 
and wine in abundance can lighten your spirits. Yet they pale in comparison to being in the company of God. Brothers, sisters, if the reason you became a Christian is because of the, the things you might get, then you're missing the point. Do you think Billy Graham's inexpressible joy that he is experiencing at this moment is because of the food at Christ's table? No. He is falling on his knees in awe of his king. He is basking in the glory that is Yahweh, the great I am. And this is David's prayer for all of his naysayers. That in their repentance, they would see the light of God's face. You see, David had such faith. And, and this is why we read these words in verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David is not afraid or worried about the state of his kingdom or about the lies that are being spread about him. He is confident that God will carry him through this trial. He won't, he won't let the division caused by the skeptics to, to take away his joy. Instead, he will trust in the Lord and sleep in peace for his safety and his security are in God alone. Friends, such confidence can be yours as well. If you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus for forgiveness, then the light of God's face has shone upon you, and you will forever dwell in his presence, safe and secure. However, if you have not put your trust in Christ, if you have not turned from your wickedness and the, and the slander that is in your hearts, then the judgment of God is still upon you and you will find no rest. Therefore, I urge you to search your hearts and be silent. Look to the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. Trust in your Lord. Let us pray. Father, all good things come from you. Yet the greatest thing is you. Help us to search our hearts. We ask that you would tear down the idols that are within. And help us to know you and, and to know your salvation, which comes through your Son, Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.